We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. He shot the ball extremely well. Cameron Johnson, Devin, of course, uh, Dario Saric, Javon Carter. Um, if you look across the board, all of our guys performed well, especially from the perimeter. So going into the draft, I want to continue to add shooting and playmaking to this team. And DeAndre uh, showed in the bubble that he has NBA range, beyond NBA three-point range. Uh, so we want to unleash that that skill set for him. And, and the more space we can have on the floor, uh, the, the greater the opportunities for guys like Ricky and Devin to create. So uh, across the board, position one through five, we'll be looking to add shooting and playmaking for the squad. Talking Stick Resort Arena. Sam, I think we've been doing this podcast, well, over two years now. And I think that you and I have uttered the words Talking Stick Resort Arena on this podcast maybe once, maybe twice. Sounds about right. Yes. The Phoenix Suns are changing the name of the arena. I was just thinking about that today, and I'm like, do we even call it that? Uh, anyway, I, I welcome was always, to the Timeline Podcast, by the way. I was My always partial Mike, to the Sam stick. Jeffy myself um I, I was, were you I was, really though yeah no seriously i was sad that the stick never caught on i thought that was that was funny 
I mean, uh, we, I, it was something that Suns fans pitched, and I thought maybe we'll maybe we'll do it, but it seems like people just called it the Suns Arena, <laughs> or they just like they, the actual Talking Stick Resort Arena name didn't actually stick. Now they're going to change it. Yeah, well, I always understood the temptation from them to to make it a whole long thing as Talking Stick Resort. You need the resort in there, but right. really from from the get go, what they should have done, Talking Stick Arena had a very nice ring to it. I think yeah. if you would just drop the resort feels less wordy maybe people don't know what the fuck talking stick is uh they don't know if it's a resort or something else like say it's someone like me who's traveling from out of state um but that would have been pretty nice regardless f to pay respects and uh the the suns will i guess be seeking out a new sponsorship now i don't know who do you think it should be i don't know it's i think it's interesting because um obviously it's all sort of aligned with the remodel and i didn't know this was happening when the the name actually changed to Talking Stick Resort Arena. I assumed it was like sort of a longer term name change. Usually these deals are like 10 years long. They don't always last the full 10 years, uh, like the University of Phoenix uh, Arena or whatever it was called in Glendale, like that changed. Um, but yeah, it's changing pretty fast and it's changing at a time where the arena's rebuilt, the team looks a lot better and maybe they're going to make some moves this offseason to actually look like a playoff team going forward. In other words, it's a perfect time for Robert Sarver to sell the team (laughs) because everything is just lining up in a real nice way for the next owner to take over and actually have some money to invest in this team. Can you remind me which team just sold? Uh, um, Was it Utah? Utah, Utah, yeah. Yeah, and how much did they sell for? I honestly did they say? I actually didn't didn't see a number. At least in the initial report, one point five billion or so. It was something crazy. Yes, that sounds right. All I'm saying is, Mr. Sarver, uh, you can make a lot of money. You really could. Yeah, you know, one of the Suns' owners actually died uh, too recently because the Suns are the Suns. Robert Sarver is a majority owner, but there's there's a few minority owners for the team. It was bought by like a group of people. Uh, who purchased the team? One of those owners died recently, and and you know every single every single time something like this comes up, people are wondering: Is he going to sell the team now? Is he going to sell the team now? My whole thing with Robert Sarver is it doesn't seem like it seems like it's an ego thing, right? And he just wants to own a team. And I think that if I was a billionaire or whatever he is, uh, yeah, that's probably how I'd feel too. I'd w- I just want to own a team. I don't want to just turn it into another asset. You can make money a lot of different ways when you have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. If you're buying a team, you probably want to own a te- want to own the team. I I don't think he's going to change it. I did look into like some of the biggest companies that came out of Arizona. To try I was going to gonna ask you out. about that because I really have no idea what's local over there. Like Coldstone Creamery is is one of the big ones. <laughs> the Cream yeah, Arena. The Cream like Arena. That. Yeah, that was the one that I tweeted out. Yeah, I like that one. Has a uh, very good ring. Have you ever heard of Circle K? Is that something that's even in New York? Probably. Um, not, right? Yeah. That no no no. That sounds like something. Uh, what is that? It's, so you have se- you have Seven Elevens everywhere, I imagine. Yes, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, Circle yeah. K is the Arizona version of that. It's basically okay. where people who commit crimes hang out outside and make you <laughs> uncomfortable when you go inside to buy soda or beer. Or uh, backwards, yeah, sure. Yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, and they're everywhere, and I don't like going into any of them, and I try to avoid them if at all possible. But that is a large <laughs> company that I believe started in Arizona, so... Um, you know, maybe that could be some, the Circle K Arena. That's such a weird thing to say, but maybe it will happen like that. Uh, and and there's not a lot of other like major corporations that came out of Arizona that I could see doing this. So I don't know. It could be anything. Maybe it'll be another airline or something. It's hard to think of an airline doing it now during COVID when nobody's traveling. Well, um, and, but, and that may be the reason the resort pulled out in the first place. Casinos have been hurting as well. 
Yeah, that's actually an excellent point. And yeah, that might need a might need a tech company or something to come in and sponsor it. Someone that can actually put their profits over the past year to good use. Yeah, Amazon like Amazon needs (laughs) like Amazon needs any marketing. Like people just use Amazon because they have to, not because they want to. But yeah, that's an interesting story that came out about the Suns in the last week or so. Uh, the name change. It's just interesting, I think, overall, that things are happening at a pace. The news is coming out now at a pace that is actually kind of hard to keep up. And I think that it's about to ramp up even more because the totally. NBA, the players, we talked about this on our last episode two weeks ago. The NBA was proposing December 22nd as a start date to the season. Now, the players have appeared to uh, vote on that and agreed to that date tentatively. And as long as they can work everything out, it looks like the season will start in just over a month from now. And that means just over a week from now, for most of you, a week from tomorrow, the NBA draft will be happening. A few days after that will be free agency. A week to a week and a half after that will be the beginning of training camp. And then three weeks after that will be the NBA season. And what that means is we're about to hear some news about the final cap numbers for the Mm -hmm. NBA season. Uh, maybe an extension to the CBA, maybe a new CBA going forward. Uh, And then they're going to have to lift the moratorium on trades. Mind you, the moratorium on trades would have been lifted by now in a normal season and trades could have been made. I guarantee there's probably 10, 15 trades lined up already that as soon as the moratorium is lifted, they're going to go through at a really fast pace. Then the draft, then free agency, then training camp, then the season. And it's all going to happen really, really, really fast and uh, it's going to be kind of hard to keep up. I think our heads are going to be spinning a little bit. It's going to be really fun, though. I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to it. You're totally right. I'm sure the trades are already pre-planned out ahead of time. I'm sure there are free agent transactions that are pre-planned out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, we're just in that calm before the storm. It's smokescreen season out there right now. And I think the, mm. a lot of the stuff we're going <laughs> to talk about on the rest of this episode basically boils down to smoke screens in, in one sense or another. Uh, yeah. It's really going to ramp up. It's really yeah, going to ramp maybe. up next year. It's going to be a fun time. If for some reason you don't have a son's Twitter account, maybe make one now. I think the next month is going to be a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And follow us. Uh, we'll, we'll probably tweet too much and annoy you a little bit. Speaking of how fast the news is coming out and how we're in that calm before the storm. For some reason, Ryan Rosillo had to try to ruin that for so many Suns fans. And we have to talk about this. It feels like old. this is a good example of how fast the news is about to be moving. It feels like old news already. It wasn't even that long ago. It was just about a week ago uh, that this story came out. We didn't have an episode last week, so we got to cover it this week. On the Bill Simmons podcast, uh, which I don't re- recommend listening to if you like basketball, uh, <laughs> Ryan Rosillo said... Uh, one of the worst kept secrets in the NBA is that Devin Booker wants to find a way out of Phoenix, which just on its head, like that's completely insane because if it was one of the worst kept secrets in the NBA, the last person that would be reporting it is Ryan Rossillo on the Bill Simmons podcast because one, he doesn't break news. Two, who does he actually know? Probably very few people within uh, that actually understand what's going on with the Phoenix Suns. And I think a big thing about this, and, and I'll let you talk about it too, of course, Sam, but Devin Booker doesn't, he doesn't talk to people like that. Like He's not a guy who's leaking any news. I, obviously, I don't think he wants out of Phoenix in any way. Now would be the dumbest time to ask out of Phoenix after they actually did really well, and he's getting all the credit for it in a lot of ways. Uh, but James Jones doesn't leak stuff. 
Devin Booker doesn't leak stories. Like this, there's no way that this is sourced sure in any way. It seems like a made up story to me. What do you think? <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's a bullshit story, and I don't want to give it too much time. Ryan Rusillo is not uh, among my most trusted NBA analysts these <laughs> these days. Certainly, yeah. Can um, he even call himself an analyst? Like, what is? Yeah, I mean, uh, we already we did a live stream on our YouTube channel a few days ago covering the draft, and I think we already talked about that episode a little bit um, in the context of Lamelo Ball. And what a disaster it was. So, like, overall, you know, they were getting grief over that episode um, in a few different ways. Are we sure that Booker uh, doesn't leak anything? You know, say say he was at a Kendall Jenner's party or whoever's party that was. I don't even remember anymore. See, you know, maybe swapping stories back and forth. Tristan Thompson is there. Mm. Maybe Tristan Thompson has a bit of a loud mouth and, and something leaks out nationally. I'm uh, saying it's conceivable. Um, but, but this particular rumor is bullshit, and we know that. I mean, Gambo rebuked it um yeah. Devin Booker's brother retweeted that um mm-hmm. so so obviously you know I I in the back of my mind still have a little bit of fear and a little bit of nagging anxiety um over the fact that I I do believe Devin Booker is at the point in his career where he does control his own destiny and I do think one more year of losing in Phoenix he would be able to to make that shot to make that call yeah at this point if he wanted to that is a nagging fear of mine. But again, I mean, I'm not I'm just not going to let Ryan Rosillo of all people break this news to me. <laughs> right. Um, this is a non-story. Yeah, right. I don't, th- there's, if I made a list of people that it would have concerned me if they reported this, Ryan Rosillo would not have even made that list. Like he wouldn't even be at the end of that list. What is that list? Who would you have trusted on a report like this? Well, I think Gambo would be number one, right? Because I think that's like straight from Sarver's mouth in a lot of ways. And maybe it's not. I don't actually know his source, but I've always just sort of assumed that. Uh, and then and then there's like the actual, like Brian Windhorst, like that would concern me. Zach Lowe, if he said it, that would concern me. Uh, and then even Bill Simmons over Ryan Rosillo. I think Bill Simmons does know people within the NBA that might say that sort of thing. And I do think that Bill Simmons doesn't report stuff, and I'm going to put that in quotes, as as in rumors, unless he unless he hears it from people that he believes it to be true from, and you know, I just think if Devin Booker, after an eight and zero bubble run, where the Suns were briefly the biggest story in the NBA, if it were true that he were intending on leaving, nobody would keep that quiet. That would be one of the biggest stories, and I think to Suns fans' credit. I think they took this really well because I, I you know, I, I assume something like this could happen this off season. And I think most people just said, Ryan Rosillo, who cares? Like who really cares? And so shout out to you, Suns fans. I think you did a good job. Yeah. They uh, did a good job of not taking the bait this time. Furthermore, yeah. by the way, if Devin Booker was going to ask out, let's be entirely honest. Um, it's not to Minnesota. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of Minnesota oh, Timberwolves no. fans kind of ran with this rumor as, you know, we're going to put the big three together. We're going to team them up with D'Angelo and Carl and Anthony Towns. I don't believe that Devin Booker is interested in leaving Phoenix at this point in time. But if he does, let's say he does in the next year, I'm telling you exactly where he's willing to go. L.A., New York, Miami. That's yeah, it. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't think he's going like if, if the reason Devin Booker wants out of Phoenix theoretically is because he wants the bigger market and he wants to no, be, no, you no. know put it's just winning we know who Devin Are Booker you sure? Is. Yes. Yes. I I don't think that he I think that there's a lot I that mean Devin Miami Booker, and Miami and LA would give him an opportunity to win to that point but look I think that there's a lot that Devin Booker could do if he cared a lot about fame that he doesn't <clears> do. I mean like 
like for one, he's dating Kendall Jenner and they don't even like he doesn't even talk about it. Like that alone could make him a like a bigger star in a lot of ways. And if anything, they tried to conceal that relationship more than they tried to flaunt it. As he uh, should have. Yeah, I mean it's it is it is what it is. I think he values certain things more than that. And I think for him, the only thing that we know about him is that he wants to win. Uh, but I will say this: if he ever did ask out, he doesn't have a lot of control over where he goes because the control that you exert over where you go is an expiring deal. Somebody sure. like Anthony Davis, and, and this... he doesn't have that. That's why you at that point you do call about James Harden or something like you right. or Ben Simmons or you know you, you're looking for super superstars but you know that would be look that would be depressing if we ever had to talk about that again it is not gonna happen not this year um so you know i don't think i don't think it's worth it dwelling on it any longer but yeah just to your point the final thing i'll say you're right this is not you know theoretically a goran Dragic situation in 2015 or something Mm. he's not an expiring contract um yeah i'm not worried about it yeah let's move on yeah not worried about it at all uh but I will have fun making fun of Ryan Rosillo on Twitter. I do. I do enjoy your memes. I do enjoy the <laughs> Ellen memes. Um, yeah, poking fun at Bill Simmons there too. Yeah, I think there are two interesting players that you and I have to talk about. Two players are now rumored to be on the trade block. Now, I think a lot of what we've been doing this off season, if you can call it that, or even previously in the whatever five months that they were off, the NBA was gone is trying to predict who would be the next and quote-unquote stars that would be available or just good players that would be available on the trade market. Uh, you know, the Suns are at the place where they want to try to improve. And I think two players are now on the trade block that that could be great players in the Suns. And those two players are Drew Holiday and Spencer Dinwiddie. Drew Holiday has two years left on his deal, but the, the the year after this one is a player option. And I believe it's the same actually for Spencer Dinwiddie. They're both essentially Correct, they have is. one they have one year left on their deals, essentially. Uh great players, both of them. Both players I I believe would make the Suns better. And I think there could be maybe there could be some arguments there about how you could do that because if you you know Drew Holiday makes quite a bit more, basically twice as much as Spencer Dinwiddie uh, but what were your th- first uh, thoughts when you heard about both of these guys? D- Dinwiddie, we talked about, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, not it's not a surprise. Um, you'll remember two weeks ago, our last episode was that our last episode we were doing three fake weeks trades. Ago. Yeah, the fake maybe trades. Maybe three yeah. weeks ago, we were doing f- fake trades a few weeks ago. Um, at the time, I brought up Spencer Dinwiddie. He he remains still one of my favorite potential targets for the Suns should they make a trade. And and I say that with some caveats because I do think once you get into the nitty gritty of analyzing his game. It is interesting to talk about to what extent is he act like I think he makes you a playoff team. To what extent is he really a ceiling raiser? I think that's an interesting conversation. We can get into that. But Dinwiddie makes the Suns better. He's a great fit for what they need. Um, theoretically, if he's willing to come off the bench, he is an optimal fit who can play next to either Ricky Rubio or Devin Booker in the backcourt. He's coming off a phenomenal season with the Nets. Um, I think it's a no-brainer. And I, you know, I kind of I'm a little bit surprised, actually, because three weeks ago, whenever we did that podcast and I mentioned him as a trade target, um, I thought I was coming up. Like, obviously, I had seen Dinwiddie linked to Phoenix in the past. We talked about it this time last year, but I hadn't heard anything about it in a while. And I thought I was kind of coming up with an original idea of some sort. But then today, flash forward to today, and it, Spencer Dinwiddie is also on Twitter is talking about. So it seems uh, the the rumor mill is really fired up. Um, around him again. As for Drew Holiday, I think we've covered this one before. Um, He's been on the trade block, at least theoretically, for quite a while and remains a very good player. 
Um, the challenge is about matching financials and finding the right combination of assets that would actually interest the Pelicans. So that's that's what we need to talk about if we're going to talk about Holiday. I, yeah, I had trouble trading both of these guys to the Suns. It's in a, hard. In a, yeah. In it's a way hard. that makes it realistic because like the Suns have one big contract and it's Devin Booker and you're not moving Devin Booker for, for just about anybody, just as we talked about. Uh, so then you're looking at Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre Jr. And I think Kelly Oubre Jr. Like I, I would rather have Drew Holiday or Spencer Dinwiddie on the Phoenix Suns than Kelly Oubre Jr. Now, I don't want people to attack me for that because I just want to say I like Kelly Oubre Jr. a lot. But I think in a lot of ways, you have guys, you have more depth at the forward position and you have more flexibility in free agency at the forward position than you do with guards. And if you can get a, a guard like Drew Holiday or Spencer Dinwiddie, I think that you could replace Kelly Oubre Jr.'s productivity a little easier than you could find a third guard. Like the 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 guards that we're talking about in free agency are either Fred VanVleet, who is probably way out of the Suns' cap space availability without mm-hmm. making a move, or you're looking at DJ Augustine, who, if we pay him very little, would probably pick a contender if he could. Like right. the Lakers might be looking for a guy like him to be on that team. Or you're going to end up overpaying a guy that's a little too old to overpay at this point, which might yeah. be worth it in a lot of ways if you run out of your other options. But then you look at you look at the forward positions, and we're talking about Jeremy Grant. You're talking about Davis Bertans. You're talking about Christian Wood. There's a lot of mid-tier options. Yeah, yeah. Lots you, of options. you know, even if you get down a little bit more, it's not bad. Like it, it, Jay Crowder, for example. If, Jay if you Crowder, get down to Jay, that's pretty good as far as a replacement. Joe Harris. For, Mm-hmm. Yeah, Justin Holiday. Even I mean, there's a lot of guys that you could conceivably pay like ten million dollars at a forward spot. Right. Whereas, as you were saying, with the guards, it's either twenty five million dollars to Fred Van Vliet or four million dollars to Alec Burks or DJ Augustine. You know, there's not really right. a middle. There's not as much of a middle ground. It's a good point. Right. So then, when you're looking at making a trade, this is why Kelly Oubre comes up. That's all to say that this is why we're probably going to talk a lot about moving Kelly Oubre Jr. at this point. And Which, also, you know, not to mince words, it's because let's just be frank: Drew Holiday and Spencer Dinwiddie are both better players than Kelly yeah. Oubre. It's just yeah. a fact. It's Absolutely. a fact, and it's not you know, it's not an indictment of who Kelly Oubre is as a player. He's still a talented player with a talented skill set. But that is why that is why these sorts of uh, trade suggestions come up. So that's, I think, what <laughs> what you just said is why it's hard to come up with a trade for these guys. Yes. Because Kelly Oubre Jr. is not as good at basketball as them. So if you're trying <laughs> to get Spencer Dinwiddie back and you're giving them Kelly Oubre Jr., mm-hmm. that's tough. So then you say, well, give them the 10th pick too. Why would mm-hmm. they want that in well, a lot I, of ways? I'm glad you're bringing this up. It's, this is what I've agonized over for hours today. Um, and, and so going back, I want to go back a few weeks ago, if you listen to our podcast where we came up with trade suggestions, my trade suggestion at the time was the Suns swap their 10th pick for Brooklyn's 19th. Um, and they're swapping Kelly Oubre and Spencer Dinwiddie. And my idea was, well, Kelly fits into, I think you were just kind of getting at this. Kelly could fit into the Brooklyn's offense, uh, because he doesn't necessarily need the ball. You can kind of just use him as a play finisher. You can have Kyrie and KD settle him down, make him embrace that role. And I think he could be really good in that role. Um, This was actually a trade proposal that was brought up um, on an episode of the Brooklyn Buzz podcast, which is the Blue Wire Nets podcast with Nick Faye and uh, Jack Manuel. 
So I want to give them a shout out because they gave me a shout out a few days back when they discussed this trade proposal. And essentially what they said, I was I was kind of expecting to hear them uh, say that they hated it. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised that they didn't hate it. They said they didn't hate it and they didn't love it either. Um, and the reason they didn't love it isn't necessarily because they don't like Kelly Oubre. I think 3 and D players, kind of that mold, is what the Nets are looking for um, right. in a trade for Spencer Dinwiddie. But in addition to that, what I learned from their conversation, this was just a few days ago that, that they posted their episode, and I should have thought of this, the Nets aren't interested in picks. Why would you be? You're exactly. trying to contend in the Eastern Conference next exactly. year. Um, I, I think it was it was Nick, um, who's the one I originally exchanged DMs with. He was the one who said it on their episode. You know, this is a draft where there's a chance that you get the guy at 19 who you wanted at 10 anyway. So do you even want to move up from 19 to 10? He's not so sure. And especially, why would the Nets move up from 19 to 10? So that's the challenge here. What you need to do now I think if you're the Suns, if you're dead set on getting Spencer Dinwiddie, and this is how I spent, I sunk two hours into this today, trying to figure out, can you make it a three-team trade? Is yeah. there a third team out there that is willing to move up? A team that is actually intent on being bad next year, not just a team, this is critical, not just a team that has a lot of picks and wants to consolidate picks, not Boston with their 14th and 26th and 30th overall picks, not Dallas with 18 and 31, because those teams want to be good next year. You need a team that wants to move up in the draft, would be interested in Phoenix's 10th pick, and also wants to be bad next year so that they're willing to send a role player off to Brooklyn to help them win now. If you can come up with a package like that, I think you can build a package around Kelly Oubre and another role player from some other team that makes sense for, for all parties. And the Suns end up with Dinwiddie and they give up the 10th pick in Oubre. And, and I think it all works out. Actually, finding the right fit for that was very difficult. It was very difficult. And what I found out from today is that it is a fruitless labor to be a roster baiter overall, truly. It mm. took me a very long time to even try and think of teams. And I still don't think I found a perfect fit. Yeah, I think it's really tough. And I think... If you believe a lot of the reports, the Nets want Drew Holiday to tie both of these guys together. So I think the next logical step would be to try to make a trade where the Brooklyn Nets get Drew Holiday, the Phoenix Suns get Spencer Dinwiddie. But now you're relying a lot on the the New Orleans Pelicans wanting mm -hmm. a combination of uh, Kelly Oubre and the tenth pick in, in a lot of um, in a lot of ways. And maybe that is the best offer they'll get for Drew Holiday. To be honest. Because a lot of these guys that are trying to get Drew Holiday are like top tier teams, but the question at that point is, why don't you just get Drew Holiday uh, on the Suns? Uh, you know, like, are we sure that that's not something that that we would want instead of spend? Like, how much better is Drew Holiday than Spencer Dinwiddie in your mind? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much better. Well, was that the full question, or did you? Yeah, did you I mean, yeah, like, sure. like, because I think a lo it's a little more complicated. I think because I think you could sell potentially sell Spencer Dinwiddie on coming off the bench for Ricky Rubio, but I'm not like I already in a way think could you could you sell I him think on you could. that? Uh, and maybe I think you're you right. Could. He he just did it. He just did it a year ago. Yeah, and, and, and he's not he's not going to get those sorts of reps in Brooklyn, regardless. We sharing the ball with Lavert and Durant and Kyrie. Yeah. And, and you know, just it's just a year before his free agency. He's going to want to sure. start, I think, in a lot of ways. Like you know, but I in and I think Drew Holiday is just widely perceived as a better player than Ricky Rubio. And in my opinion, he's he is better than Ricky Rubio. Uh, and even like as far as fit, 
then you you'd have to try to convince either Ricky Rubio to come off the bench or try to make some other moves there, or or even try to maybe trade Ricky Rubio instead of Kelly Oubre in that in that way. It's just it, it becomes really complicated and it's hard to really figure out what would be worth what. Like, is it worth facilita- right. facilitating a trade to get Drew Holiday to the Eastern Conference for one to get Spencer mm-hmm. Dinwiddie back? Then you send Kelly Oubre home to New Orleans where he grew up uh, and he gets to play for that team. But do they want that? I mean, it's, it's I, that, really, well. That's that's kind of where I struggle with it. Is I think Drew Holiday is sufficiently a better player than Spencer Dinwiddie, more of a needle mover. I don't think Phoenix can approach New Orleans about Dinwiddie without them wanting Mikhail Bridges. Like, and and I think you know, just being honest, like we've we've talked to people who are you know just Pelicans fans, and I don't get the sense that they'd be that interested in Kelly Oubre. I think it's Mikhail Bridges is a guy that everyone wants. And yeah. but I think the difference is I think Dinwiddie is a good player, but not enough of a needle mover. That you could do it. You could do it without giving up a guy like Mikhail Bridges. You could do it just on Kelly Oubre right. alone. I think that's the difference for me. I don't think you can do it um, with with Drew Holiday. L- let me let me ask you. What do you think of this? I'm circling back to the to the. Let's get Spencer Dinwiddie. Let's forget about Drew Holiday for a second. Although we can come back to him, but let's make it a three team trade. One team that that I think the obvious team that I thought of is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because when you think about what team mm. actually wants to tank next year it's the Oklahoma City Thunder the problem with the Thunder as we all know uh, Sam Henke the GM of that team he loves first round draft picks Um, they only have the 25th pick in the first round of this draft I think there's a team that that you could potentially get a partnership with like what if you send Spencer Dinwiddie to the Suns you send Kelly Oubre to the Nets but you also have OKC send Schroeder to the Nets to offset, help offset the loss of Dinwiddie. They get a different, very good backup point guard in return. Um, and the Suns send their 10th pick to OKC to make Hinky happy. And then OKC just needs to take on like a bad contract. Like like one guy the Nets have, Tarian Prince. It was a guy that the Nets gave like $14.5 million a year to on the idea that he's 24, he's 25, he's a 3 and D wing. Theoretically, he's going to improve. This year wasn't very good. Doesn't actually look like he's he's even an above replacement level player, at least according to his stats from this year. You throw a bad contract like that towards, um, towards the Thunder, maybe a different bad contract. I don't know, maybe DeAndre Jordan instead. But the point is you send them a bad contract, you send Schroeder. And now the Nets are getting, I think this is this is the type of move that puts them more less interested about picks, more right. interested about getting two quality role players that put them on a, on more of a path towards contention. Hmm. I'm kind of just spitballing. Let me know. Let me no, know. No, I no, mean, no. Is, that, is that stupid? No, it's not stupid. I actually, you know, what's funny is as you were sort of talking about the team that you were looking for that fit that profile. I uh, was Googling Dennis Schroeder's salary, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, not specifically for the trade it. you're talking about. Cause part sure. of me was thinking if we're going to send out Kelly Oubre in this sense, maybe you'd consider just getting Dennis Schroeder is, is one of my first thoughts. Like why not just try and get Dennis Schroeder? Uh, you could but I do think that you, too. You, you like Spencer Dinwiddie more than Schroeder. I imagine, right? Yes, you could do that too. The reason why is because I think Schroeder is a worse... I think Schroeder is a good backup point guard, but I think he's worse than Kelly Oubre. I think Spencer Dinwiddie could start on most teams in the NBA. So, you know, to your point from a few minutes ago, maybe he actually isn't... Maybe you can't even convince Dinwiddie to to come off the bench behind Rubio and Booker. If you could, though, 
I just want to remind people who, who may be skeptical of the fact in the first place. If you're skeptical that Dinwiddie is a better player than Oubre, Spencer Dinwiddie this past year, he averaged 23.8 points and 7.8 assists per 36 minutes on just slightly below league average 54% true shooting. Um, he had a higher free throw rate than anyone on the Suns this year. A guy who averaged seven free throw attempts per game, puts pressure on the rim, can hit step back threes, can hit pull up threes. He is a three level scorer, a three level scorer who averages 24 and eight per 36 off your bench. I think there's no question that that's a better player than Kelly Oubre and a better fit specifically for what the Suns need. Schroeder is good too. He's just, he's, he's not quite at, at that level. Well, part of me was wondering if we could potentially get Schroeder. Now that I'm thinking about this, is there a way to get Schroeder without giving up Kelly Oubre Jr. here? Because uh, does he want to be on that team? For one, he's going to be a free agent too. And when I was talking to the OKC guys about potential trades, uh, one of the ones we came up with was a potential sign and trade for uh, Sarich, which can be kind of complicated. And that was not Schroeder. But I wonder, like, the Suns can actually take Schroeder's contract into their cap space relatively easily if OKC was just looking for a draft asset. The 10th pick for Dennis Schroeder is actually kind of interesting. And you could even, if you have to trade some sort of salary, you can pick up Frank Kaminsky's option and send him off to OKC along with the 10th pick to get Schroeder back. And then at least just sending a little bit of salary back to them, assuming that that's something they have to do. It's just a thought because if if you can get him without giving up Kelly Oubre, that's a lot more. Like I don't know why this is the case for me, but just as I was think, thinking through these, giving up Kelly Oubre and the tenth pick for Spencer Dinwiddie, it does sort of make sense in my mind. But something about that same package for Dennis Schroeder doesn't. But part of me wonders, like we're talking about giving up the tenth pick here. Now, giving up the tenth pick does mean giving up a low salary player that could be a player that contributes towards the Suns for the next four years, like four years on a low salary. Uh, Whereas the guys that we're talking about trading this pick for are on one year deals. Like, I don't know. I I guess I I'm, I'm overthinking this off season a lot because we had so much time to think about it, but is trading that pick the smartest thing to do? And do you think it will be traded? Uh, Do I think it will be traded? Uh, Who's to say, I don't know, James Jones. Right. <laughs> I don't. Right. I, I re- truthfully wish I could tell you more, uh, in more detail, what I think the offseason strategy is. I just don't know at this point. I think what you're talking about with Schroeder is less ambitious. I think he's a worse player again than Dinwiddie, but makes sense. I mean, I, do I think OKC would accept Frank Kaminsky in the tenth pick for Dennis Schroeder? Yeah, I think they would. Um, I think there's a very strong chance that they would do something like that. They're not scared of taking on bad contracts and Frank's isn't even a bad contract and they just want picks and they're just willing to tank. Um, and the Suns would be able to keep Kelly Oubre by doing that. Now you punt on having any cap space. So at that point, all you could do this offseason is bring your guys back like Dario Sarge and Aaron Baines if you want, and then maybe use your mid-level exception to bring in like one more decent player. And that would be your entire offseason, but it would certainly give you a heck of a sixth man score uh, running your bench units. So that's an option right there. Is it worth trading the the 10th pick? I think that probably is. Um, I think there are a lot of trade offers I've seen that aren't. Uh, Sam, we just got a a Woj bomb. Are you serious? Uh, Yeah. Uh, The NBA and the NBA PA have reached an agreement on an amended CBA. Sources tell Tim Bontemps and me. I'm reading in. Let's see. Free agency begins at 6 p.m. on Monday, November 20th. Oh, my God. 
Oh, that's November twentieth. That's three days after the four days. It's after two the days. Draft. Two days after the draft. Two days. Wait, the draft is the eighteenth, correct? Oh, yes. I said Monday. It's not Monday. I'm just reading badly. <laughs> I've had a lot of notifications going off as this happened here. So six p.m. on November twentieth. Yeah, that's two days after. With signings allowed at twelve oh one p.m. on November twenty okay. second. So that's when it goes a little. A and um, days he out. he also retweeted um, Tim Bontemps here that the salary cap and luxury tax will remain the same next season. Those are the figures that we are working with. No surprises yes. here. No surprises. Yeah. I mean, no, this is no basically what we were there, talking actually, about. Rel- relatively good news as far as the cap not going down. That's good for the Suns. You scared me for a second when you said we have a Woj bomb. I thought you were going to say Devin Booker has demanded a trade for the Phoenix <laughs> Suns <laughs> 10 minutes after the no, whole conversation just, we just had. You would have just heard me quietly sobbing. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm sorry to get off of that a little bit, but I did want to cover that breaking news. Nothing, nothing groundbreaking, but it did just break right now. Uh, of course, I have notifications on for Woj. Drop, I just the, uh, say- drop the bomb in the background. <laughs> drop the Woj bomb. Exactly. Oh, I can't forget that. Uh, I will forget it. Forgive me. Everyone hear that sound in your heads if you can. I, I did just message Jacob Niffin, one of our friends at the OKC Thunder podcast, the uncontested for the Blue Wire podcast network. And I just said, Frank Kaminsky in the 10th pick for Schroeder. Yes or no? And he said, it's not a yes. It's a fuck yes. <laughs> ah, see, that's what I'm. That's what I'm telling you. Like I know Jacob. Right. I know how he thinks by now. Because I was, right. I was asking him the same sort of stuff about trying to get the Dinwiddie trade done, the the three way trade. They just want bad contracts and picks. And there's only a couple teams in the NBA right now that are actually like that. They're one of them. So I, I think you can take advantage of that. Yeah. So the question is, does that trade make sense for the Suns long term? Well, I think here's no. The thing. But short term, yes. That's what's tough. Short term, it's awesome. And Devin Booker's ready to win now. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the problem. Is this going to be the last year that, that we expect the Suns to pick in the lottery for a long time? AKA, the reason I talk about this in, in terms mm-hmm. of our conversations about trading the pick, this is the important thing to focus on. Is this the last opportunity for the Suns to draft a homegrown right. future starting point guard take a swing. To, to take over the reins after Ricky, uh, Ricky Rubio is, is kind of toast? It's interesting. Know. So he, here's here's the one thing I'll say about that. I feel like commonly we talk about the potential somebody taking over for Ricky Rubio in the future, like a potential future starting point guard for the Phoenix Suns going forward, uh, and that being drafted right now with the eleventh pick. But we also talk about wanting to be good next season. The it's just important, I think, for Suns fans to remember how rare it is for a point guard who is drafted that is not a clear-cut star to be good early in the NBA. Point guards take time to develop. The speed of the game is different. The athleticism in the game is different. Most of these guys are going to be throwing away the ball quite a bit if you do end up drafting them. Now, it can be said, a lot of people say that there's... the the point guard is actually one of the most common positions, one of the easier positions to get good players at. And I think that's relatively true. I think it's funny for Suns fans to say that because of how long it took to find a point guard. But I think you like if you believe how the Suns ended up with Ricky Rubio, he wasn't even our first option, and he still ended up being great. So I think it's proof that mm-hmm. there is depth at the point guard position in the NBA, something that you can find in free agency going forward. 
I think the critical point, though, is there will always be, like, Ricky Rubio had a great season for the Suns. Ask a panel of nationwide analysts where he ranks among starting point guards in the NBA, though. What are they going to say? 20th? 15th, maybe? At, at, at his height? You know, he's not he's not better than that, I don't think, among all starting point guards in the league. Maybe, I mean, maybe he is to us, but I don't think he is. I don't think that's his reputation around the league. Right. My point being... Even with a guy like Ricky Rubio, there are always going to be these questions about ceiling. Again, it's about not so much, yes, we want the Suns to make the playoffs next year, but we're talking about ceiling. What's the ceiling with this particular player? What's the ceiling with that particular player? Can you win a championship? And with all the guys available, remember, with the the 10th pick this year, um, there are point guards who I like a lot. I like Killian Hayes a lot. I like Kyra Lewis Jr. I like Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but, you know, there's a strong chance, based on what we've been saying on this podcast, that if the Suns have the opportunity to take Devin Vassell at 10th, I would do it. You know, I mean, it depends who else is on the board, but I'm not tying myself necessarily to any of these point guards. There is no point guard in this draft class who is so clearly just going to be, a, you know, a top five superstar ever in their career. You t- you could take the chance on one of them, but really, what's the probability that they're ever going to be like more of a franchise point guard than Ricky Rubio? I would just say, you know, don't don't get your hopes up too much. Like Kyra Lewis Jr. may take three or four years to be a decent point guard. And then even at that point is like a Dennis Schroeder type, you know, like he's not necessarily ever going to be a ceiling raiser himself, even if you do put in the time, the four or five years to wait. Well, uh, you know, it's funny that you say that about Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder. Look, I, I know that I commonly we, we talk about Vorp a lot on this podcast Um Dennis Schroeder was one of the best guards by Vorp last season. A complicated thing to try and parse out exactly what that means for how good Dennis Schroeder actually is. Wait a second. What do you... I'm looking right now. He's he's good. He's not, like, amazing. Yes, I know. He's good. But what I'm... what I The point I was trying to make is, say you do take a swing on a guy like Dennis Schroeder, you have him for one year at $15 million. Essentially the exact same salary that you have Kelly Oubre. But in this in this trade that we just made up, by the way, I just want to say, I did talk uh, Jacob into agreeing to also including the 25th pick. So he says he thinks OKC would do Schroeder and the 25th pick for Frank and the 10th pick. So the Suns might still have a swing like to get a guy like Grant Riller, for example, at 25. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how realistic. I think that's great. I think that's I think great. It's a great trade and too, I think, yeah. you know, the Suns, I mean, if even if they don't, want a point guard there because they just got Schroeder. There's a handful of wings that you could get, like plug and exactly. play wings at 25. So my point is, Schroeder is what, 25, 26 years old? Um, give me a sec. Yeah, he's 26. Maybe it's smarter. Instead of taking a swing... 27. At, yeah, taking a swing at a guy like that, uh, like, like say, Kyra Lewis Jr. at, you know, early in the draft here. Maybe it's smarter to take a swing at a guy like... Schroeder, who's in his prime now, and you count on him building on what he had last season and his time with Chris Paul. And then if he plays well enough, you have the opportunity to move a guy like Ricky Rubio on an expiring deal and then use the cap space created by that and potentially Ubre falling off to sign a guy like Schroeder long term if it ends up working out really well. Uh, it's just a thought. I, I you know, it, it's just I I'm conflicted. I like the idea of picking a long term point guard. I think that it will probably make the Suns a worse team next year in just about every single way. And that if you pick a guy like Devin Vassell at the 10th pick, if he's available, I don't see that making the Suns worse in any way next season. 
in a lot of ways, I could see that making them better. One, mm-hmm. they have more depth at that position, and they don't need to play him minutes the way they would for a point guard. And two, he's more of a plug-and-play guy because he plays a smaller role. So, you know, I just worry about taking a point guard there in a lot of ways. And this trade that we just sort of made up on the fly here um, makes sense in a lot of ways. Um, kind of a fascinating one. I think we should take a break, by the way, because we've gone along or gone on a little long here before uh, plugging our sponsors here. So we'll be right, right back. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.eg. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, that was fun, Sam. I think that's the first time we've made up a trade entirely on the air, if you will, uh, on the podcast here. I, th- I think it's a pretty good one, too. Um, I don't I think hate it's a pretty it. Pretty good one. I, I think it's it. <laughs> rare to come up with a trade that a fan of the other team also agrees to immediately. And, you know, I think there's an argument to be made that giving up the future flexibility of the pick is not worthwhile. But oh, how yeah. good would that team be next year? I think that's kind of fun. I think it would be a good team next year. I'll put it this way, though. I think any time you create a trade that you can get a fan of the other team to agree to immediately, you're probably getting 70% of your own fan base calling you an idiot. So we'll <laughs> see We'll see what the reception to that one is. I mean, I got us a backup point guard. We got us a backup point guard. Without giving up Kelly Oubre Jr., who's actually a legitimately good point guard. And now, by the way, we have three uh, medium-sized contracts if the Suns ended up wanting to make a trade mid-season uh, that could actually bring you back a player that makes $30 million, like, say, Carl Anthony Towns after he gets tired of playing with LaMelo Ball. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, there is some other news that I did want to talk about. Now, this, I think, is interesting. We teased early on uh, about s- smoke screens and how we're not sure even what we're dealing with in a lot of ways for for 
the news. We have to parse through a lot of nonsense, a lot of BS, a lot of smoke screens. I think we need a smoke screen sound effect. I'm thinking about the Woj bomb thing from earlier. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know what it should be. Yeah. If anyone has ideas, tweet them at us or comment on the Reddit thread. Uh, Naismith and Sadiq Bey. These are the two guys that are now tied to the Suns based on a athletic report and athletic report about the Phoenix Suns. Now, I, just, I do want to give a shout out to our friend Durag, uh, Durag Hoops on Twitter. Uh, he actually provided us the clip that you heard at the beginning of this episode of James Jones talking. That's from a uh, Zoom call with some Suns fans and season ticket holders about the season going forward. He talked about uh, getting more shooters and getting more playmakers. And then the Suns were immediately tied to Neesmith, who's likely the best shooter in the draft in a lot of ways. Or I don't know how, how you feel about who the best shooter in the draft is, but I think there's an argument to be made that it's Neesmith. Uh, and Sadiq Bey, who's another guy that's like a wing. Is do you think the, the, <laughs> an, impre- an impressive resume? Sadiq yeah. Bey, he is a wing. And he's good. Look, <laughs> and he's good. And I think he might be a good NBA player. But part of me wonders if somebody just looked at who James Jones picked last year and said, Who are the guys that look the most like James Jones this year? Yes. Like you know how we talk about I mean, how James Jones picked James Jones last year? That's exactly what Sadiq Bey would be. Yeah. Sadiq Bey is a 6'8 forward with a 6'11 wingspan who shot 45% from three. He's like yeah. a, a smart player, but not like, you know, not like a crazy athletic player. You know, it would be yeah. James Jones taking James Jones in a lot of ways. Yeah. So that's that's how I look at this. And I go, it seems like nobody has. I, I tweeted about this today, too. And by the way, I have to learn how to not bring up tweets on a podcast. Who cares? Uh, but the point I was trying to make is. When the when Adam Silver walked up to the mic in the 2019 NBA draft and said with the 11th pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves, but it was the Phoenix Suns, select Cameron Johnson from the University of North Carolina, the entirety of the Suns fan base said, what? Like, we had no idea that that was going to come out of his mouth. Also, no, no rumors about the Dario Saric trade ahead of time as well. These types of moves that came out, even Ricky Rubio, no actual rumors. The only the thing that was the closest to rumors were people like us just making up the idea of Ricky Rubio on the team because we liked it. It doesn't seem like there's any sort of leak within the Suns organization. So my first thought is I do not buy into these two guys or any of the other guys even that the Suns are tied to. Uh, beyond what has actually been reported. Like Kyrie okay, Lewis Jr. had two interviews. That's really sure. the only other thing. Uh, don't you think it's a little bit, it's a little funny to tie your logic to, well, I think the Suns are most interested in all of the guys who we haven't heard anything about. Is that is that what you're saying? Not necessarily. It's just, I don't know how much credence to give any report, I guess. Sure. It, because there's so much bullshit this time of year. There's so yes. much. It is smokescreen so, season. Right, so I tend to just not believe anything. I don't know. I guess it, about the Suns, like I think there are the teams that are a little more transparent. But like, like, like for example, the Golden State Warriors' plan this offseason appears to be leak that they're interested in everyone to try to up the value of their pick. And I think that's relatively right. smart. It's it's like they're sending out smoke screens everywhere constantly. The Suns' strategy appears to be don't say anything to anyone, and uh, that gives us more flexibility in that way. So I don't know. Do you buy into it at all? Either of these guys? Do I buy into it as in, do I think it might happen or do I like it if it does happen? I guess both. Cause we should talk about both. Um, do, do I buy into it? If, uh, maybe I have no reason to, 
I have no reason to reject it. That's as far as I can go, honestly, from my position as a as a non-insider. Now, do I like it? Not particularly. Uh, I, I think these are guys that you maybe get if you trade down a little bit. I don't think I'm particularly comfortable. I mean, look, if they take Neesmith or, or Sadiq Bey at 10, I'll talk myself into it the night of. I'm not going to throw a hissy fit um, on our emergency podcast like I did last year when we picked Cam Johnson. Um, I, I've learned from that experience. However, uh, there's, I mean, the other interesting thing about where the draft narrative is going right now in the final weeks is that there are some surprise risers. Um, and like, you know, one one example right now of a guy who's rising, um, according to ESPN's latest draft analysis today, is Patrick Williams, mm-hmm. who um, we've had a couple people talk about before in this podcast. Our friend Rich Stamen, obviously. Yeah, he, picked, has, he picked him for us, I believe. He right? loves he loves Patrick Williams. But Patrick Williams, according to ESPN now, is is was not a guy you'd find in the top 10 basically ever a couple months ago. Uh, and is now apparently on a lot of teams' big boards. This is a, he's a freshman forward from Florida State, most definitely a project. My point being, the more guys who kind of sneak into the top 10, whether that's a smokescreen or not, I don't know, but the more guys who sneak into the top 10 this late into the process, the higher a chance you have of Killian Hayes falls to you at 10, or Devin Vassell falls yes. to you at 10, or Isaac Okoro falls to you at 10. And yes. so all I'm saying is, do would I hate Aaron Aaron Neesmith or Sadiq Bay at ten? No, they're they're plug and play wings. They would probably make the Suns better next year. They're shooters, as we heard from the clip of of James Jones in the intro to this episode. He wants shooters. It makes a lot of sense structurally. But if Hayes is on the board, if Vassell is on the board, if Isaac Okoro is on the board, Halliburton, um, uh, Kyra Lewis, like these guys are. These two guys we're talking about right now are option mm-hmm. eight or nine or ten for me on my personal Suns yeah. big board. Yeah. They're very far down, and I think there are so many other better options for the Suns at ten that I probably would end up like a little disappointed. Yeah, it's interesting for me. I think the goodwill that James Jones sort of bought by making what can be considered the right move for Cameron Johnson would make me feel a little bit better about both of them, just sort of a little more confidence in, in who I believe that he is and the types of decisions he's made. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think they'd be a little lower on mine. And actually, just to comment on that, because I know, I guess we were sort of planning on getting into some more draft stuff on our next week episode, but I think at this point, if the moratorium is lifted, there's a chance that the Suns don't even have a draft pick by our next episode because it could be traded sometime over the next week. But just to point this out, in essentially the last ESPN Plus article that I did read about this, which is by Jonathan, Jonathan Gavoni, uh, he essentially said Devin Vassell, uh, Kyra Lewis Jr., um, let's see, who else? Oh, Killian Hayes uh, would all be available at that 10th pick. And I think mm-hmm. this is, I think, where that conversation gets really complicated and nuanced. We just traded it in our last I- segment, for example. But then these guys could be available at that pick. So. Yeah, it's really tough, man. And and just honestly, like, look, Dennis Schroeder, when you're talking about trading the 10th pick for Dennis Schroeder, that's an instant contributor who you know as a 27-year-old veteran is going to help you make the playoffs next year. If you pass up on Killian Hayes at 10 to keep the pick but select Sadiq Bey... I mean, I don't really see how that's defensible. <laughs> like, there's, you know, there's very different variations and levels to, to what you're doing there. Schroeder is an instant contributor. You know yeah. exactly what you're going to get. Sneak it's Bay, defensible, right? I don't, I don't know how defensible that is. Well, yeah, if it does I happen, mean, I mean, Schroeder, I guess, is defensible. Is is what yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, let me t- let me ask you this: 
What if Killian Hayes is bad for two years? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I like Kyra Lewis um, more than I do Tyrese Halliburton. I think Halliburton's going to be better for the first two years. Right. It's just, it's, it's so interesting. And and we've had a lot of time to think about it, I think. So, you know, there's just a lot to think about with this draft. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what Suns fans think about that trade um, you know, like you said, if the other, if the other team agrees to it, there's a chance that Suns fans hate it, but you know, not just the trade in a vacuum, but, but the trade with the knowledge that Vassell Hayes, maybe a Coro could be available. Like these guys could, I think a Coro is going to not be available for the record. Uh, but Vassell definitely will be a Coro. Lewis Jr. Probably will be. Obi like, Toppin. Oh yeah. Uh, no. I mean, I'm serious. Like I know you just said don't mention tweets on the podcast and I'm about to mention another tweet, but <laughs> you you tweeted that uh Obi Toppin at 10 maybe not as bad. Look, I I, I think, think he's a, a terrible good, defender I too. I think you nail it if you get Toppin at 10. Yeah, so I mean, are you are you going to defend uh Sadiq Bay at 10 over if Obi Toppin is on the board? Oh, I don't think he will be. So I think it's kind of a moot point to me uh because I think Toppin Toppin is the exact kind of guy that nerds like us and draft Twitter nerds uh, s- sort of underestimate based on advanced statistics uh, Ex- well, on the defensive side that yes. GMs overvalue because they understand mm-hmm. how difficult it is to score a bucket in the NBA. Yeah. And I think he's going to be gone before the 10th pick, he's, no question. NBA Twitter likes a certain mold of player. They like the three. They like to focus on the future, but they don't necessarily you know, still think about the the present and and they overcompensate when they think about a prospect like Obi Toppin, you know? Right. It's like you could make like, you could make a stock market analogy to it. Obi Toppin is an oil company. He's a reliable oil company. His game's a little disgusting and maybe it's not the future. Maybe clean energy is the future. This is a really bad analogy, but I'm going to keep going. (laughs) Maybe clean energy is the future. And you've got all these nerds talking about the future. They want to talk about modernizing the game, positionless basketball, give me switchable defenders, you know, all that stuff. That's like, it's coming, but there's a little bit, you know, there's not quite the momentum to match the hype yet. You can still make a lot of money out of oil. There's still a lot of people making money off oil and Obi Toppin. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was really bad. I love it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Is a barrel of oil. Obi Toppin, the Exxon Mobil. Of the of the 2020 draft class, that's what I'm saying right now. Oh, and you're still love, you're still I, gonna, <laughs> you're I gonna get value. That. You're gonna get value out of that. That's all I'm um, saying. Listen, where would Amari Stoudemire go in this draft? I mean, according to to draft Twitter, like thirteenth or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, look, I don't think Obi is gonna be. I don't think Obi is gonna be Amari. Though. No, I think you're right, but I think that he could. <laughs> I think that there's a chance that he could be. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't think it's a, I think it's a non-zero chance that he could be that good offensively. Uh, you know, it, you know, it's just possible, and I think that's the type of thing that GMs will will do. And you know, what? he shoots three, he shoots threes too. So it's not, it's not terrible. It'd be nice to have a player like that off of our bench. I consider that a good pick, and I think he'd be good as early as next year. You just have to, like, Mikhail Bridges has to be on the court with him uh, for it to work. Uh, so it gets a little complicated there. Um, so now we've picked Obi Toppin, we've picked Killian Hayes, we've picked Devin Vassell, and we traded the pick all on this podcast. So I think it's safe to say that we've overthought this qu- quite a bit at this point. What do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I think we've definitely, <laughs> I think we've definitely overthought it. Um, I don't, I don't, and again, um, 
we're going to go back to our regular schedule. Sorry mm-hmm. that we missed you guys last week. Um, I think there's going to be so much news that we're definitely going to be pumping out episodes on a weekly basis Absolutely. now. Next oh, week, fine, yeah. but but kind of as you alluded to, I don't know what we're talking about next week again. I think probably one final draft episode with maybe some draft maybe, experts. Maybe it should be a free agency episode at this point because we're going to... I mean, we're going to have yeah, to cover the draft immediately after the draft, and then the free agency is going to be the next day or two days later. I, whew. Good God. Things are moving at a really fast pace here, Sam. At might a really need, fast might pace. need to do two episodes. Two episodes I think next we week. might have to do three episodes next week at this point, but uh, I'm not going to get people too excited about that because it gets a little complicated. But before we go, what do you think about the new Suns jerseys? Awesome. Love them. I love um, them too. Yeah, gonna get gonna get my first Mikhail Bridges jersey for sure. I think it's the first time in a long time that they did something like legitimately bold with the jerseys. Like the closest to it was the sort of light purple low suns jerseys from last not this uh, from the eighteen nineteen season, I guess is a better way to put it. Um the ones I always remember Kelly Ubre going on his run wearing because that's right before he was injured, the Suns were wearing those Los Suns jerseys a lot. Uh, those are great, but this I think this this jersey is even better. It's black. It's got purple. It's got orange. It looks really cool. It's got the shape of Camelback Mountain. It says the Valley on it. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it with the shorts and everything soon. But I think I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna get one too. I think. Anything else you want to cover before we wrap this up? No, I think we I think we basically covered it for this week. Um, sit tight. Don't let the smoke screens bite. And we'll be back next week to cover to cover some. Uh, I bet there's going to be big news this time next week. Yeah, I think you might be right. And I want to give a shout out once again to Do Rag Hoops. Follow him on Twitter at Do Rag Hoops. He's got a YouTube channel. A great Suns fan comes up with some great content. Helps us out with the intro to this episode. So we'll see you guys very soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.